Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hello, True Romance listeners. This is Devin Leary. And I'm here alone today. Carolina could actually not be with us tonight. And I know you'd like an answer for why that is. I know uncertainty is uncomfortable. Um, I'm a human being. I get uncomfortable when things don't happen the way they're supposed to as well. That's why the Love is Blind, quote unquote, live reunion for season four on Sunday night was so deeply upsetting for a human being like me, for a human being who has a life, who has a schedule, who has plans, a pretty porous outer shell when it comes to being affected by things. You know, I think regimen, control, certainty, these things, these things help us. And when they falter, so do we. I can imagine most of our listenership was also thrown off on Sunday night sitting. Again, it's like, you know, we all have things going on. We all also wanted to watch the new episode of Succession. We all had to make a choice. One's live, according to Netflix, and one is not. So what are we going to do? We're going to choose to focus on the live event. And, oh, oh my God, my cat is playing with a loud toy under the bed so I can't get to him. So regardless, we all waited for the love. I will just focus on my own journey. I waited for the Love is Blind reunion for about 45 minutes. And then I said, listen, I'm, I'm not going to give up all my pleasures in life because 
one of the biggest, most successful businesses, Netflix can't get their shit together. So I moved on to other TV programs. And then this morning I kept going to Netflix. This is Monday morning. Speaking on a Monday, I kept going to Netflix to check and watch the, the reunion not live. And I like couldn't click on it. It's like I could see the window, but I couldn't click on it. And it was so weird. By the way, all the cast members who I follow on Instagram, they're all posting like, oh, sorry about the delay, but just like hold on a little bit longer. At one point, Chelsea was like, I'm hearing that the reunion will be available at the lunch hour. I'm like, what's the lunch hour? You know, this is a post pandemic world. People are working remote. People have intermittent fasting schedules. I I personally, for me, I never know when I'm going to eat lunch. I don't know what the lunch hour is. Is it 3 p.m.? Is it 11 a.m.? And so finally, when Brett, the most steadfast gentleman on season four, posted that now the reunion's available, I rushed myself over to that Netflix homepage, brought me to season one. I'm like, why am I seeing Barnett? Why is Amber here? And then I had to go scroll on over to see. I'm like, why is this so hard? And then as soon as the reunion starts, it's like, it's so shoddy. It's I'm just like, Wait, Netflix, you've been in the game for a long time. I remember when I used to order your little red envelopes. I remember when I ordered a DVD of The Deer Hunter in high school, not really knowing what it was, only to traumatize myself and then stick it right back in that little red envelope, send it back to Netflix. So you've been around. How is your quality so low in this live reunion? It's like live television is not a new medium. And at one point, someone in the control room is like crinkling chips and they can hear it on the mic or something. People are talking shit in the back of the set and their mics are hot and the jokes are all over the place. And I mean, a lot of that is because of Vanessa Lachey. This needs to be an executive decision. And I'm I promise this is not just because I'm a Jessica Simpson girl, but Vanessa Lachey is not equipped for running a reunion. She's just not. Howie Mandel could run a better reunion than Vanessa Lachey. That being said, let's take it a quick beat back and... Let's talk about the weddings. We were left on a cliffhanger the previous week with Chelsea and Kwame. I think everyone felt the way someone at a child's first birthday party that I was at over the weekend felt, which was there's no way Kwame's going to say yes to Chelsea. Well, again, uncertainty is a part of the human condition. We think we know things we often don't. Kwame said yes. I honestly was terrified. My mom's been trying to convince me that Chelsea is a psychopath and honestly out of some sort of adolescent repressed rebellion feeling I've been like arguing with her. But this wedding moment was kind of a confirmation for me. I do think Chelsea is uh, more unwell than I thought. After they get married, she's like repeatedly grabbing Kwame's face saying we're married to forever. You're my husband. We're married forever. You are my husband. She's like, baby, you are my husband. (laughs) And starts like maniacally laughing. And it appears in my notes, I wrote, I'm scary. I think I meant I'm scared or maybe I caught a glimpse (laughs) in the mirror. I don't know what was happening, but um, that was upsetting. Kwame looked so uncomfortable. He looked like me most of the time, honestly, I'm like, what's what's an example of me being awkward and uncomfortable in a social situation? He just looked like he might have made the worst mistake in his life. So 
then I kind of assumed like, okay, we're going to get to the reunion and they're no longer going to be together. I've also seen a lot of stuff on TikTok about his sister being an actress and him being out at clubs in Seattle. But of course, spoiler alert, everyone who gets married in the wedding episode is still married in the reunion. So then after Chelsea and Kwame, we have Paul and Micah, which I guess was surprising. I just want to say like, in an age of confusion and misinformation, we need to get the fact out there that Paul is not smart, no matter what he says, no matter what thesaurus words he uses. I know he wants to convince the world that he's an intellectual. I find that extremely difficult to believe. I can't even begin. I'm, I have a very active imagination, you know, like that's why I can't sleep at night, but I can't even begin to paint in my mind a picture of having a deep conversation with Paul. I don't think he understands like the intricacy of the human experience. Now look at me look using thesaurus words, intricacy and human experience. But I just think he is a phony in that way. I think he touched uh, Micah's friend's ass at his own wedding. I think that's wrong. And Micah may be a bitch, but at least she's interesting. And I actually kind of love her and I love her mom. And she didn't really seem. I don't think she like was as much of a victim as she makes herself out to be. I don't think she was like set on Paul. I don't think she thought Paul was like her Brett, but I think she was kind of excited to have the role of being broken up with, especially because she probably started picking up on the villain narrative she was getting. Maybe she realized she looked bad by flirting with Kwame, who was engaged to someone else. And then she wanted to turn it around and say, oh, I was left at the altar when in reality, you didn't even say yes. So I don't know. And we all know when your best friend grabs your face after midnight in a, for some reason, brightly lit bar and says, I want the best for you, but this isn't it. We all know that's going to be hard to surpass. So Paul leaves Micah. The thing that he did, the crime he committed was after leaving her at the altar, he said, he didn't think she would be a nurturing mother. That's where you lose me yet again, Paul. No matter how fake I think Micah's overreaction was, I don't think she shed a real tear at the wedding or at the reunion. I know a real tear. I've been watching Real Housewives since the early 2000s. Um, I don't think a real tear was shed, but I also think that he's fucked up for saying she wouldn't be a nurturing mother. Just say anything else. like. And by the way, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, these people are too young. You have to have decades of like, having to reject people or be rejected to learn. Like, don't even say anything specific about them. Just say like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I thought I was ready. I signed up to be married and um, I'm not. Tiffany and Brett's wedding, I sobbed. If you didn't sob, check in with your local doctor's office. <laughs> we all live in villages with just one doctor's office, right? Well, just, you know, clip clop on down on your horse-drawn carriage and ask that local medicine man. No, I mean like, it just, if you weren't affected by this love story, this love story transcended love is blind. Like love is blind did not deserve the, the love story of Tiffany and Brett. They happen to be two fully formed individuals in their 30, mid thirties. They've lived lives. They've been through shit. They know what they want. They know what they deserve. They found each other. They deserve each other. They're both incredible people. They're funny. They're happy. They're, they're whole, they're complete. They inspire me. And I just don't think that Netflix necessarily even deserved them, but I loved watching them. I was sad to not be able to watch them anymore. Um, oh, although I guess 
Netflix always does those after the altar extra episodes. Um, Counting down. Countdown starts now. Hashtag countdown starts now, guys. Am I right? You know, it's a little awkward to be just speaking into a void with no one else responding and just my cat like playing with the random bits of trash around my apartment kind of makes me feel a little bit insane. And kind of assuming if my neighbors can hear me, they think I am a little bit insane. That's okay. I want true I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I loved when after the wedding, Tiffany, by the way, looked stunning. I felt like Brett's pants not being like good enough. Like, honestly, I agree with him. The suit didn't look that good. And it was like kind of inexcusable. And it's it's another symptom of Netflix. Like, where has Netflix been? Like, why is there not a better production design and quality behind this stuff? Why was Brett's suit not perfect? That being said, it was like a little bit intense. It's like, Brett, no one's really going to remember the seam of the pants. 
They're going to remember that you married someone you had just met after talking to them in something called pods for like a couple of weeks and then fell in love, quote unquote, sight unseen on a reality show with a guy who used to be in 98 degrees. Like these are the things people are going to remember, not necessarily your hemline, but he had to go get his pants fixed. And that was like a drama that they teased because he says this should not happen. The whole season they've been teasing, like Brett says this should not happen. And then you're like, oh my God, are him and Tiffany going to break up? The truth is, no, they get married. It's stunning. It's beautiful. Afterwards, she looks so happy and she just says, I'm at peace. And that's what I want on my wedding day. I want to be at peace. I want to not care that I'm sitting in a dirty old pickup truck, which she was with mud all over me in my white wedding dress. I want to be so at peace with the man next to me that I'm like, yeah, I don't give a fuck that there's mud on the wedding dress. Let's dance. Let's have us a time. And she said a statement that I think all heterosexual women need to aspire to, which is there is nothing that scares me about this man. That's how she feels about her husband. And I don't know if I know anyone. I can think of the slightest few examples of women who can say there is nothing that scares them about their husbands. If you can safely say there's nothing that scares you about your husband, please come forward in the comments, the DMs, because I think that's so rare with a straight man to have nothing that scares you. Not not their bathroom trash can, not their soap scum stained shower, not the age of their loofah, not the women's names in their contact lists, not their likes on Instagram, not their taste in music, not the amount of times they want to talk about the Beatles can listen when a band retires. Can we retire them? Can we not have to talk about who is which Beatle men, please, please just just anything. There's been so much since the Beatles. There's been tsunamis since the Beatles. There's been natural disasters. There's been social upheavals. There's been scandal since the Beatles. Just anything. We don't need to know who's George. And so if there's nothing that scares you about this man, I say go forward with whomever that may be. And I think that should apply in not just romances, but also business relationships, maybe at the grocery store, getting an Uber on the apps. You know, this should be a base thing. It's like, what's a deal breaker? Nothing scares me about him. But yet we take it for granted. We think, oh, it's a little scary. Okay, it's a little weird. It's a little murdery, but, you know, but we're in our 30s and, you know, men cap their dating app ages at 29 a lot of the time. So if he has a samurai sword in his profile, then is that really a deal breaker? It should be. Although that being said, perfect segue. Zach, um, Zach has a samurai sword, which I saw in a TikTok that he made to account for the fact that he stole the lyrics to the song he made up for arena that song he sang in the pods i don't know why anyone would come forward and be like those were actually my lyrics like i would be like "Ooh, if he wants to pretend those are his a godspeed to you but um yeah zach is odd i think zach and bliss are honestly two people who really needed a person they're both from dysfunctional families i mean as are we all but they, they both really seemed to need like a teammate in their lives for those uncomfortable dinners for those lonely moments for that grief, recovery, all that. And so I think they found each other and they really need each other. And I think they're both very 
easygoing and open-minded people. So I think they actually really work together. And I think Bliss is truly, obviously, like, the catch of the duo. And I really felt for her, like, when she's being walked down the aisle, it's like the mom and the dad, you can just clearly see the difference between them. The mom is saying, like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry in, like, a cute, emotional way. And the dad says, I got a tear in my eye. Oh, wait, no, I don't. He's like, I'm emotional about your wedding. Psych, couldn't care less. And then the mom is clearly trying to like distract Bliss from all the fucked up, annoying, weird, misogynist stuff. The dad is saying she keeps being like, do you have your flowers? Are you okay? Are you okay? It's kind of like a trauma cycle unfolding, repeating itself right before our eyes. And Bliss is like, I'm unfazed. I have my teammate now. We're going to dance. We hope each other dance and we are going to dance. They walk to each other. It is actually kind of beautiful. And then they do dance to that song. And, and I did cry at that too, guys. I was crying a lot. I mean, all these weddings seemed cold and wet and uncomfortable. And I was cold and wet and uncomfortable watching because I was crying so much. I want true romance. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl 
Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, on to the reunion. The reunion, again, I know I touched on it. Vanessa keeps talking about wanting to be an auntie to the first Love is Blind baby. Can you imagine, like, someone on another show's reunion? Like, this isn't normal. I think we have to we have to acknowledge Vanessa's behavior as a host is not normal. It's not professional. Hosting has been done by so many for so long, dating back to Regis Philbin, Brian Dinkelman or Dunkelman or whatever, Ryan Seacrest, Heidi Klum. Like there's legends in the hosting world and Vanessa could take notes. And yet she doesn't. And yet she talks about being the auntie to the first love is blind baby over and over again. She talks about her ovaries burning. She does weird bits. She did like a weird bit with Tiffany and Brett where she's like, oh, we have like footage of you guys fucking. And they're like, I mean, not like that, but they're like, wait, what? And then they show it's just like the clip where Tiffany fell asleep that we've all seen 10 million times on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And then like Tiffany and Brett have to pretend to laugh. They're like, oh, it was that. (laughs) Like, and the thing is, she's always talking over Nick. And I'm like, I hate Nick because I read Jessica Simpson's memoir. But I would rather hear from Nick at this point. I would rather, I mean, despite what I said last week on the pod, I would rather Nick's weird dad jokes where he's like, oh, yeah, my wife makes me sleep on the couch every once in a while. You know what I mean, fellas? Or when he's like, every father wants their little girl. It's like, that's creepy as fuck. But at least I can like, I I know that level of creepy. I know that level of weird. But when Vanessa speaks, she's always talking over him. And it's just like... I'm like, this is a level of weird that I like don't even know what to do with. She's like making faces she thinks are funny. And it's like, I I can't, I can't with that at all. So yeah, also Chelsea and Kwame, tough to see them still together, honestly. I just don't think either of them seems happy. They talk about having a Calvin Klein date where they both wore Calvin Klein underwear. It's like, that's just the worst type of couple. That being said, for two people to both think that that's like cool and interesting to share, that you had a date where you both wore Calvin Klein underwear and you called it your Calvin Klein date. Maybe that is two people who found each other in a world where no one else is like them. And maybe me thinks Cupid, I shall not play because maybe there's forces at work here. Like I'm like applying my own opinions on these people. It's like, personally, I would not go to a date where the premise was let's both wear Calvin Klein underwear and just talk, but we'll call it the Calvin Klein date. I would be frightened and i would maybe alert the neighborhood on my criminal app that this person exists that wants to do that but for these two that's fun that's cute i guess okay they say that they're still waiting a year later for their calvin klein boudoir photo shoot that they did that's alarming is the photographer dead have they passed why has it taken a year for a few photos in underwear but alas again i think Brett and Tiffany, perfect. Zach and Bliss are actually pretty cute. Arena, when Arena came out, let's say this. Okay, I think because I've seen so much Bravo, so much TLC, so much Lifetime Network, like I've seen so much reality. To me, Arena was not like the worst villain of all time. Even when they play back that montage of like Arena and Micah like being mean, it's like, yes, they were kind of mean girls. I don't know. I've seen meaner. I've probably done meaner than laughing at, someone who's crying i don't (laughs) i probably shouldn't say that me i laugh at people who are crying all the time 
No, I mean, I do think it was mean. And I think they were being like shitty, bitchy, kind of stupid, mean girls. But I'm just saying, like, did it deserve like a whole moment on the couch where it's like something's wrong with you and you have mental illness and you need to look inward? It's like, I don't know. It's just I've seen real damage done on some other reality shows. And I felt like Arena apologized. Micah apologized. They both tried to be accountable. They both talked about wanting to look inward. I don't know. I don't really believe either of their tales about like Arena saying like I was actually having a panic attack and I was covering my face. But who knows? I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I just think that I agree most with Bliss, who's like, who even cares about this anymore? Like, we're happy and it doesn't need to be this whole thing where like Vanessa's that's the other thing. Vanessa like gets in on like trying to confront these people where she's like, there it is. Oh, there it is. And I'm like, wait, you can't even back that up. Like sometimes Andy will get like confrontational, but that's because he has the facts to back up what he's talking about. He's like, wait a second. That's not true. I was there at the production. My producer said this, blah, blah, blah. Vanessa can't even explain why the reunion didn't air on time. Like she doesn't know shit. At one point she goes, you guys didn't know for sure if you're going to marry each other. Oh, okay. On a reality show where the point is to get married at first sight and say, I do at the altar. Okay. I'm like, let's not act like the premise of the show is reasonable. It's absolutely absurd. And you found people season after season who are so desperate because of our culture's obsession with marriage to just get married to someone they don't even know. But let's not act like, okay, you were questioning if you wanted to be with him, like red flag. It's like, that's what the whole show is about. Vanessa, like, I don't know what you're talking about. By the way, in that moment, I felt like Vanessa was actually like trying to like come at Arena and she like made Arena look good. That should never happen. Like no one has ever looked better than Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen always places himself on a higher plane and Vanessa's like not really able to do that. So lastly, in this recap, and yes, this is going to be a shorter episode. Listen, my whole schedule got thrown up in the air by Netflix executives. Step forward and, and show yourselves. Netflix executives. I don't know who you are, but please speak on why my schedule is messed up. Speak on why my episode is short. I am not going to take any personal accountability until Netflix does. And that's how I live my life. I don't, I don't take accountability until Netflix does. That's one of the tenets of my lifestyle. And so the final thing, well, there's two final things in this reunion. One is that they do these, like, they're like, okay, we're going to show you an exclusive inside look at what the couple's married lives are really like now. Okay, I'm thinking something like after the altar, I'm thinking we're we're getting some inside look that we never could have gotten otherwise. It's filmed by themselves on fucking iPhone cameras with poor sound and poor image quality. It's like videos that they say, it's like cameos that the cast made and sent to Vanessa last minute right before the reunion. And all their apartments look fake and staged also why don't any of these people live in seattle it was supposed to be the seattle season i love seattle people know this and i was excited to see seattle people and seattle homes and seattle neighborhoods meanwhile they're living in arizona scottsdale they're living in i mean portland makes more sense but i just don't understand part of the fun is going to different cities i thought and seeing people who live there but anyway so they're doing the home tours. Everyone's apartment looks fake. But of course, Kwame and Chelsea's apartment was the most egregious and disturbing. Tiffany and Brett's is super cute, but then it like does an awkward, abrupt. 
you know what? It wasn't even like cameos. It was like a bad, like happy birthday montage. Like when one of your friends is like, oh, everyone send in a video for Sarah's 30th birthday. And then we're going to crop it or chop it all together in iMovie and surprise her. And it's just like all these awkward, like jump cuts. That's what this was like. But it's done by Netflix. It's done by the same home that produces Squid Game, you know, The Crown. You're telling me The Crown people gave me this jump cut iMovie montage of people filming inside their apartments. It's just upsetting. But Chelsea and Kwame's apartment looked like they literally put the furniture in that day to film it. And they throw two random pink chairs in the corner. Chelsea's like, this is my corner where I do my thing. And it's two pink chairs with a table. Couldn't be more depressing. Also, I'm like, they have nothing on the walls. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't think this is their real home. There's nothing on the walls. They're like, oh, that's the couch. They did some weird thing where they're like, that's the couch that Kwame sleeps on. And then he tried to explain it. He's like, oh, yeah, I like to sleep on the couch once a week because when I was single, I used to accidentally fall asleep on the couch all the time. There's a lot of things I do when I'm single that I hope I won't have to continue when I'm in a relationship. And for some reason, Kwame wants to still sleep on the couch. I don't know. I think I would probably still want to sleep on the couch if someone was grabbing my face, staring into my eyes and saying, you're my husband. I'm your wife. I'm your wife and you're my husband. So it's kind of understandable. But anyway, I'll just say this. Listen, if you're watching Love is Blind, you have to be watching Married at First Sight. They're the ones who originally did the thing they also ended with this reunion with where like they have a cast member from a former season ask a question. They chose Bartise. Really? That's who you think we want to hear a question from? Again, it's like be in touch with the audience. Know what we want. No one wants to see Bartise. No offense. We want to hear questions from people we love and care about. Or maybe people from season one, some classics. You know, I don't love and care about Amber and Barnett, but they sure are entertaining. I'd love to see them up there. Bartise, I'm just like, that's the last person I would ever want to hear a question from. But he's like, who? And he asked Vanessa's question. He's like, who's going to have the first love is blind baby? Like what? But Married at First Sight did that first. They have their reunions where former cast members ask questions. They have a real community. I'm just saying, if you're watching Love is Blind, be a true fan of arranged marriage reality shows and also watched Married at First Sight. That's all I have to say for you guys tonight. Quick update. Love is proven not to be blind again, in my opinion. Yes, I believe in Brett and Tiffany's love. I also think they're both conventionally attractive and could have just met in real life. But all I'll say is tune in next week and my good old friend Carolina will be back. Bye. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. 
Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 